All right, hello. Um, you could probably hear some birds, and I'm also trying to fix this, so I'm right up against this microphone. Let me see how this sounds. All right, well, anywho, welcome back to the Save Your Spoon podcast, where I empower individuals with chronic conditions, any kind of stressors, mental illness, just using spirituality, mindset, mindfulness, all that good stuff that some may define as very new age. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome back. So today we're going to talk about The Power of Now. It's a book by Eckhart Tolle. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, so, but before we start, I did want to just start with my rose and thorn. So my rose is that I have had the week off from nannying. I love those kids, but again, this gives me more time to work on the podcast, work on all my little projects that I hold so dearly to my heart, and I can also tan while doing it. So yes, I also would say that my thorn would be a little similar to that in being that I love structure and my life has been kind of like a disarray. I haven't been feeling too hot. I had a little depression spell if you want to call it that. And again, um, if I post this after my introduction, I find a lot of salvation working on these projects. Like it, it's like my higher purpose. And for me, it really gives me a sense of empowerment. It makes me feel better. It has been my little outlet in terms of combating my depression. So I think that's why it's so important to have that passion that you have that can be kind of like the driving force that keeps you going. So I highly recommend trying to find something that serves your higher purpose or serves something that adds a lot of value to your life. I was talking to Grant and he's like, it's so good to have little projects. It's so good to have things you're working towards. So I think even setting goals for hobbies or even like social gatherings goes a long way. Just feeling like you're adding more value to your life. I hope you enjoy. Also too, I forgot I was about to get into this book. I'm so excited. A little learning moments. So again, going back to my depression, I think this book has come at a perfect time. For me, I had to kind of sit with my negative emotion, sit with my little pity party, if you will, and just use my time to really feel that. And again, really not having any negative thoughts following those, just letting that emotion kind of just run its course. When I experience depression, I also get a lot of physical symptoms. So for example, I am so tired, I cannot get out of bed. I sometimes even feel sick to the point where I... Or my body just says, we're done. We're done. Um, I get headaches. I get a lot of 
muscle tension, neck tension. And again, too, this could be other things, but in my experience with depression, like I, when it's bad, when I'm stuck in these negative emotions, I just, it's a myriad. I feel like the negative emotions turn physical. And then after a day, I felt 10 times better. And I think what that lesson is for this episode is that we're not going to have all good days. Progress in life in general is not linear. And so even though I am preaching a lot of happiness, mindfulness, not all my days are going to be perfect. I think to... I appreciate being thrown into having to practice what I preach. And I think I used my depression to once again transcend past it, work on this podcast, really resonate with what I believe is my higher purpose. And I hope that inspires you guys if you have any negative emotions or if you have any just thoughts that bring out a lot of pain to really just sit with it and use it as a source of enlightenment. Use it to do some good, do something that you have always been wanting to do. All right, let's get right into it, guys. All right, I grabbed my water, so we are set and ready to go. So I read The Power of Now, and my main takeaway is being present in the age of rushing. Like, I could sit down and talk about how we live in such a capitalistic, centric nation where we're always looking for the next project. We're always looking for the next thing that we can do. And I am definitely guilty of that. So I think this was an excellent book for me to read, being that I am always feeling rushed. And at times I feel myself even getting down about the past and devising ways that I could have done things differently. So it's hard to stay present when you are living such an active life. So this is kind of why I chose to pick up this book in the first place. So the author states that stress is caused by being in the present moment, but wanting to be in another place, whether that is looking at the past or looking in the future. And get this, he also highlighted that waiting is also saying that you don't want to be in the present. You're waiting for the future. You're waiting for the next thing to come to you. So I just touched upon this, but I wanted to kind of use the terminology that resonated with me the most. So I always looked at my depression reassessing the past and then my anxiety being fixated on the future. Stress and pain ultimately lead and come from both of these emotions. The author stated to always say yes to the present moment, always work it with it and not against it. The pain body, which he refers to throughout the book, is all these negative emotions. You can't truly be present if you're experiencing these. So to continue, I want to say his name so bad, Eckhart Tale. (laughs) I adore how he continues to discuss emotion. So he stated that emotion often represents an overcharged thought. So I immediately think about all the times that I've had an idea, whether it's with sadness or any kind of anxious thought. 
you get one thing and then it snowballs into the next and then the next and then all of a sudden you are in high emotional turmoil you're like holy shit I don't even know how to pull myself back and at the end of the day Tale says that high emo- these negative emotions stem from one emotion and that may be pain not maybe it is actually pain just going off this tangent of negative emotions, the author talks a lot about pleasure and addiction. So as we all have heard before, humans are, they naturally seek out pleasure. There's this constant craving for it. And the more that we want it, we can refer to it as an addiction. So pleasure is the key to suffering, as the author described. It keeps us in the future constantly thinking about our next move, constantly thinking about how we can get this item. And the thing is, constant pleasure is not attainable. So I think about, if I'm being completely honest, sometimes I think I have a shopping addiction. I will spend hours online seeing what I could buy next. And so, you know, not that I don't have the money to buy some of these things. It's just the constant need for something new. I'm constantly looking for the next thing I could wear, the next jewelry piece, just the next thing. And that may not always be attainable. I know my boyfriend's like, holy shit, can you log off this, please? So addictions, honestly, they can exist to cover up pain. And we see this a lot with substance abuse. We see this a lot with gambling. Just that there's this other deep-rooted cause behind it. And so I like how the author really highlights pleasure and addiction throughout the book. Just because these are tendencies that we must uncover. Just so we could truly be in the present moment. The author gave us a lot in terms of combating these. So we want to look for silence of which these sounds come in return. So he looks at the outer world. So what we see in our everyday situation, what's really in front of us and then our inner world. So what we're saying to ourselves, our thoughts, these emotions. And so... The outer silence, really tuning in outside or making sure that you're sitting in silence literally helps create inner silence. So I know um, a lot of my friends, we, we're very torn. We are half like hippy dippy, half not so hippy dippy, half Natalie, what are you talking about? And so in the event that, that those are my listeners, I'm going to try and keep this not as woo-woo or hippy-dippy, but ultimately what the author wants to convey is that you have to tune out the outside world so you could focus on what's going on in your head. You want to focus on those thoughts. And so the idea behind meditation is kind of like this, where you close your eyes, you sit in a silence room, and you just listen. And this will allow you to bring identification to any thoughts or pain that you may be feeling. Going off that, he also says that you want to take a very neutral stance to these thoughts or pain. 
so instead of being like wow I feel this negative emotion and then I feel shameful for experiencing that way it's almost embarrassing so I would definitely be kind to yourself be compassionate allow you to sit in the present because just viewing and seeing what goes on in your head may not even be what you feel deep down it may just be pain so yeah the author does emphasize that good days are not forever and I kind of related back to that when I was saying my lesson of the week so life is cyclical you're gonna have good days you're gonna have bad days and the key to this is having that flexibility I joke all the time, flexibility is my middle name. And this will let you flow and move through life with ease. Being in the present moment is, it, it's imperative to have this flexibility because you need to be open to any good things or bad things that may come. Negative emotions and bad days allow you to reassess the world around you. You can use this as a wake up moment. So going back to feeling depressed I was down in the dumps. I was feeling like booty. And I just had to sit with it. Let those emotions be present. And then I worked my way up by doing what I liked, what I could do in the present moment. So for me, that was journaling. It was working on my baby little projects. It was calling friends. It was doing what I can to mediate and feel more love, bring more love and those positive emotions. Let me see. Love and joy, they have no opposites because they come from within. And that love and those positive emotions, they bring you closer to your true self coming out. So yes, (laughs) surprise. But again, you can use these negative emotions for enlightenment. I wrote down exactly what Eckert said. Use these emotions for enlightenment. Do not give it any more ideas. Accept what is happening and use it to transcend. He described that perfectly in my opinion. Like I was writing up my blog post for this and I quoted it straight from my notes because that's how much I resonated with it. He also spoke on chronic illness. This was a pleasant surprise because honestly, I was not expecting him to say anything about it. So the author literally asked the reader at one point, are you mad at what I said? I was like, damn, girl. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. But what prompted this question is that he talked about how the illness can take over And you protect your illness by making it your identity. I think this is so easy to do in this day and age. I remember seeing a tweet and it was someone from my high school, someone I haven't seen in 10 years. And he essentially said, take your illness, your diagnosis out of your bio. I was like, damn, like I literally just made my whole blog about this. I was relatively offended. And then I realized that that came from the idea that I, it was my identity, that I was someone with a rare autoimmune disease, that I had mixed connective tissue disease, and that it hurt me that I couldn't 
use it to be like, I have this and I have it in my bio and blah, blah, blah. It was a limiting factor and it kept me from being in the present. So essentially, I created a victim mentality. And that's something that the author highlighted not to do. With that, surrender to the present and move with the change. I wanted to extend a little more on that idea, expand. (laughs) So the idea that you identify with your illness. I have a whole blog basically dedicated to it. But aside from that, I'm also a girlfriend. I'm a speech therapist. I'm a nanny right now. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm all these other things. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is who I am in this present moment. So right now, I'm awake. I'm talking in a microphone. I'm connected to the world around me. And I surrender to allow things to flow as they should. So whether that be I have a good day, I have a bad day. um, I, It makes me think about that notion that I'm connected to everything but attached to nothing. So allowing me to smile at people and connect with people, but knowing at the end of the day that I am love and light. Sorry to get kind of woo-woo for my people who don't appreciate the woo-ness. <laughs> um, I love how I said that as I'm about to talk about how to surrender. So Eckert says there are two ways to surrender. The first is to say yes. You have to accept life for what it is and what it isn't. So you don't want to resist that. So you want to say yes and accept life for what it is or isn't. It looks like your life is creating that suffering where you are, but it's actually your resistance that is creating your suffering. It is creating your pain, that inflexibility, that expectation that you want to be in the future, you want to do something else. The second way to surrender is if you can't accept that outside, if you can't accept life for what it is, the author states you should accept the inside. Going back to that notion where I said I accepted feeling depressed, I accepted those painful emotions, you have to surrender to the grief or the loneliness or whatever emotion you feel inside. Witness it without labeling it. Just let it flow and allow it to be. So again, with my bad day, I allowed myself to send that emotion and this made it easier for me to act on the first way the author stated to surrender. Just looking, meditating, and really sitting in that feeling, allowing it to be, to run its course, it made it easier for me to say yes and be flexible in the present moment. The author had so many good takes within this book. Again, he talked about how consciousness comes unlocked The moment that you choose to live in the present moment is the moment you unlock it. Wow, I kind of butchered that. Consciousness becomes unlocked the moment you choose to live in the present moment. 
Otherwise, you move through life through your unconscious mind. You think of people who choose to live a bad life, but they don't. They're just not having that accessibility to consciously act on their decisions. So ultimately, the author ties the book by saying you must break through a conditioned past. No one chooses pain. You need to choose the present. You need to free and observe body awareness. There's a quote that I love that he said, you die to the past every morning and then you let the light of the present outshine it. You bring lightness into darkness and you have full attention to surrendering. So I hope you guys had a lot of great takeaways from this book. Before I leave, I want you to use this time to ask yourself what is going on in my head at this very moment. Pay attention to any emotions or thoughts that come up. Don't analyze it. Don't resist. Just give room for the emotion to exist, to feel the flow, and feel the energy of it. Let it sit. Take a few minutes to just sit with your eyes closed and just feel what's inside of you. It's woo-woo. I know. I know. (sighs) That's why you see the millionaires, billionaires being like, I meditate sometimes. (laughs) Ha ha. So if you're one of those finance boys listening to this right now, I say try it out and see what happens. Again, I'm only a few episodes in. And I'm really excited about this project. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I enjoy creating these. All right, guys, I will see you next week. Have a great rest of your day.